Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Pigskin Picks for 2022. I'm Matt Seidel, along with the rest of the Coach Speed podcast crew, Derek Seidel and Josh Tropez. Gentlemen, welcome to week eight of Pigskin Picks. Uh, we're going to get right to it, man. It, uh, this might be, in my opinion, probably because I picked the games or most of them, uh, our best slate of the year. <laughs> I don't know if that's fair or not. We've got some really good high school games and tough games to pick. And uh, because the Lions are on a bye week, thank God, we're, we're going to have a third college game. And uh, we let Josh, since he complains about the games we pick all the time at the college level, we let him pick it. And it's a special one. So uh, right now, uh, last week, again, I think this is the third straight week. I took the individual week uh, title. I went six and four. It tells you how bad I started. I have uh, six and four last week. I am 41 and 29 on the year. That's good for second place. Josh continues to lead the overall. He went five and five last week. Uh, he is 43 and 27 on the year. And Derek, the early leader, uh, went five and five again. He is 40 and 30. So we are all within reach of each other. But uh, Tropes continues uh, to cling to a, a, a lead. And we have two weeks left. This is week eight. We have one more after this. So it's coming down to it. Let's get going. We're starting with a huge local game in Washtenaw County. Uh, we have the Celine Hornets, six and one. <laughs> fresh off a tough loss to Bedford that Trope said there's no way that was going to happen. Uh, at Dexter, at Dexter, 7-0. and uh, Derek, you're the Dexter grad at this, this podcast. You're going to lead us off. What do you think about that one? Yeah, Trope's definitely had some uh, some great lines from last week. Uh, you know that he's getting called out by Northville's quarterback on Twitter. We got all kinds of stuff going on. But hey, that's what we're all about around I'm here. Not, so. I'm not making any friends, that's for sure. Hey, but we're getting clicks, I guess. Maybe I don't know. But uh, you know, this is an outstanding game. Maybe a little bit of the shine got taken off by Celine losing. Um, you know, Dexter having clinched a share of the title is amazing. You know, and the first time ever in the SEC. Uh, it's just crazy to think that and it may make sense if you've followed Dexter football, but to, you know, to have been around that, that long to never have gotten a title is is amazing. Uh, that's happened. It's awesome that they finally got one. Um, and I know these, this group has kind of been a key piece or key pieces on this, this kind of resurgence of Dexter football. So it's cool. Now the, with this, this week's test, we'll see if not only can they, win the league but can they knock Celine off you know Celine's won eight straight league titles um maybe some at least a share of it I, I didn't check for that but um th this would this would give Dexter the outright title if they can win um they haven't beaten Celine since 2005 but they've only played him four times in that span you know Dexter won convincingly a week ago versus Monroe it really was actually the passing attack that took care of business Reeves Taylor Threw for five touchdowns, 291 yards. Parachek had two receiving touchdowns. Tesmer had two receiving touchdowns. And Micah Davis had a receiving touchdown. It seems like he's been more involved on in the offense here late in the season. I think maybe, you know, as, as they're coming down to crunch time, they're using him uh, maybe a little more on both sides of the ball than they were earlier in the year. Uh, he's definitely a, a stud for them. Um, on the defensive side, I think the biggest question, and I, I'm wondering if the way they handle that Monroe game has something to do with whether Cabana is healthy. 
Uh, he got nicked up at the very end of that Huron game. I know it was on social media that he was down for a while on the play when they beat Huron. And when he scored that touchdown at, at the last second, he he still scored two touchdowns and had 90 yards against Monroe, but they, uh, they didn't give him the ball as much maybe as they normally do, which I think is probably a smart move. Um, so that's my my kind of thoughts on Dexter, the Celine side of things. I mean, that, that was bizarre to see them get shut out, not only lose, but get shut out a week ago to Bedford. I know Bedford's a good team. They clearly proved that last week. But, you know, this is just an explosive offense with all kinds of dudes all over the place. We talked about this all year long and they couldn't manage to get in the end zone. It's pretty wild. You know, that snapped a 52 game win streak against SEC red opponents. That's if you include the playoffs. I believe it was 50 games in the regular season. Here's the bottom line. I think Bedford really was able to do their little ball control stuff. They run the ball all the time and they had, you know, their, their first drive of the game was seven minutes. It looked like that led to their only score. And uh, that was kind of the, the, the name of the game with beating them. That's not really Dexter's style. I mean, they play a spread style and they do run the ball a lot, but they're not going to be milking clock the whole game. So I don't know that you can like take a lot from that Bedford game. And if anything, maybe that's, that will wake up Celine. Goodness, I, I really have a bad feeling about this one for Dexter. I think this is a tough spot here. Uh, you know, they've got Chelsea coming up next week, but I got to go with my my alma mater here. I'm, I'm going with the Dreadnoughts in a close one uh, to get that outright, t- outright title. My word, that was a mouthful. Uh, Bedford, I apologize uh, if you're listening. I give you no chance. I actually had your, your coaches like cashing it in on the year and just getting ready for the playoffs. Now you could be hosting Celine. So I apologize, kicking mules. Uh, Celine, uh, you're going down two weeks in a row. It, it just, it's, it's happening. I, I like the dreads in this one. I like the dreads kind of comfortably. I, I, I see it being a high scoring affair, but I like Dexter pulling away, maybe like 34, 21, 34, 24, something like that. But I like the dreads in this one. The bigger question, dread nation, and I'm calling you out right now. Is everybody going to suit up? and show up to play the dogs in week nine. That's the real question. So we're going to find out, but I like Dexter in week eight. Oh my God. All right. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Dexter, I, I don't know. They've been on my mind lately. This program was in shambles when I know like, you know, six, seven years ago. And, and Okemos recently had to cancel their varsity season uh, and they're still playing sub varsity. And here's a huge athletically successful uh, school and they just shut down their varsity football program, which was getting basically beat 70 to nothing every game. That's where Dexter was. And that's where Dexter was heading. I kept thinking one year that Dexter was going to go to eight man football with over a thousand kids in their school because nobody wanted to play football there. Phil Jacobs has come in there and just absolutely turned this around. This is an amazing story. They're the number one ranked team in the state. It's crazy. Uh, I mean, it's just, you know, I, I am, I am impressed. I am inspired by them uh, so much so that I'm going to pick Celine to win this game because I think Dexter has clinched that championship. Derek touched on it. Uh, they're kids and that Chelsea game is probably the more important one uh, in nine and probably in their mind, but they know they're up against it. I mean, Celine brings, you know, division one talent. They're you know, well coached. They've got just as much talent as Dexter. I just think Celine, the, the motivation in this game is going to be greater. I'm going to pick Celine in a really well-played and close high school football game. All right, uh, go ahead. I was just going to say, Phil Jacobs, incredible coach. 
Uh, but one of many coaches with turnarounds this year or, you know, from the Adrian ties. Right. I mean, but, but not only that, but uh, let's talk about the parachecks for a minute, you know, and, and my favorite parachecks at Moorhead state right now, Colin parachecks, but they had a lot to do with turning that thing around as well. Yeah. But it's, but it, it's more than just the parachecks. Now they may, they may have, they oh, may have been a spark that that program needed, but they're, they have yep. dudes and they're actually you know, they're going through some injuries right now, some interior linemen, some, some things like that. Uh, their quarterback was, I, I think, maybe in concussion protocol at one point, but he did play last week. Uh, well, they, then they should shut got, it down. They, they've got, depth, they've yeah. got depth now. They've never had it. Uh, again, I'm still impressed with them. Game right. two, uh, Tropez Chelsea Bulldogs stinging five and two after a tough loss to Tecumseh. They travel to Edwardsburg. And Edwardsburg is six and one. Another tough game for the Bulldogs. Josh, what do you think? The Eddies, uh, yeah, Eddie, like you said, Eddies are six and one, but their game has been much closer than they have been in the past. Teams they usually drill are, are giving them some issues. They're winning all these games, high scoring games. Edwardsburg is still putting up a ton of points, but they're, they're not getting as many stops as they used to. Their only loss is to an excellent West Catholic team who's only lost one game this year to Fruitport. Uh, West Catholic's one of the better teams in, in D5 as well. Um, you know, the, you know, the Eddies used to get a ton of transfers from across the border there in Indiana. And I, I think that things are <laughs> apparently maybe not as many people transferring in, but um they still are a formidable opponent and it's a tough road trip for, for Chelsea. It's a long bus ride. Chelsea is really looking at, you know, this is a game that's, that's going to help them with seeding in the playoffs and they have to be really careful not to look ahead at Dexter. I mean, obviously it's the same thing. We just talked about Dexter looking past Celine. Chelsea's got to be careful not to look past the Eddies. I mean, they have a better record. Um, they've beaten Chelsea both times they played them. They beat them in the state championship game at Ford Field in 2018. They beat them in a, a, a regional final at Chelsea in 2016. So Chelsea's never beat them. Uh, they, they struggled with the wing tee. But I, I see the dogs getting refocused after a tough home loss at homecoming. And I see them going on the road and getting a win against Edwardsburg and bringing that momentum back to Chelsea for uh, Dexter in week nine. Edwardsburg, um, they had 402 yards rushing last week, 24 first downs. They only threw the ball four times. Uh, they beat Otsego uh, 56 to nothing. The week before that, they had 594 yards on the ground. Uh, I, I maybe threw just a couple of times again. They have an absolute stable of running backs. It's different guys. They have guys with stats where they carry the ball like five times for 204 yards and four touchdowns. It's, it's something, it's just stupid to look at their numbers sometimes. And they have like four or five guys averaging 30, 40 yards a carry in the same game. It's, it's, it's outrageous. Um, they remind me actually a lot of Tecumseh. Like they almost have this unstoppable offense, but they do give up points from time to time. They just, you know, in a game like this, uh, they're going to have to outscore Chelsea. I think they're going to outscore Chelsea. I think I think they're going to win. I think Chelsea uh, is got their tail between their legs a little bit, and uh, if they lose this one, they're they're in trouble. They're going to probably end up being a four seed in the playoffs, and it's a it's a and Chelsea not playing at home is you know that's not that's unheard of. Chelsea not playing at home in the playoffs. So I'm going to go with the Eddies. Derek. Yeah, I think you guys have really nailed this one with the analysis. There uh, should be an interesting game. Tough to go on the road here. And yeah, Chelsea's in a weird spot here. I mean, there's 
you know, they, they might be the underdog you could argue here going on the road. And then, you know, they might be the underdog in week nine as well. And that's, it's, it's weird to be saying that, but uh, I'm going with the Eddies as well. I think it should be a good game, but I, I expect them to, like you said, run the ball uh, successfully and get the win. Another huge game, the third game on our slate, the Olivet Eagles six and one travel to Williamston. Uh, the Hornets are five and two. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll start this one. Williamston's losses are, are to an undefeated Mason team and a very strong Hazlitt team last week in a 30 to 27 game. They have an outstanding quarterback. Just last week, he was, you know, 20 of 27 for 296 yards and four touchdowns. Those are, those are nice fantasy number uh, numbers for anybody. He also ran for 66 yards. Every time I seen a good Williamson team, they always have a guy that can, that can wing it. And he, and he's got great legs and can run. So he's a dual threat. And he, and this Petersburg is just uh, cut from the same old, and the receivers last week were Zach Cribs and Noah Dunkel. And uh, I think Dunkel comes out of the backfield, but they, they are a prolific offense. Uh, but, but the Eagles again, six in a row after that season opening loss to Sherlock, let me throw these numbers at you. Ramsey Bissell, he is the running back slash receiver for them. 79 carries this year for 816 yards. Yeah, that's over 10 a carry. He has 14 touchdowns. That's just on the ground. He has 18 receptions for 487 yards and seven touchdowns. So that's 21 touchdowns. And I think he's had a couple of return touchdowns, which aren't in there. So he is 21, 22, 23 touchdowns. He, he has been literally unstoppable most of the season. I, nobody's done anything really to bottle him up. I mentioned this earlier. Bo Lincoln at quarterback is playing extremely well. They've got they've got all the pieces. Uh, the de- defense is, is underrated at Olivet. They have uh, experienced guys back there. Brian Lincoln, the defensive coordinator, uh, has been doing an outstanding job for years, and I, he's going to have to dial one up because this is going to be a tough task. But I have the Eagles going into Williamson. They beat them twice last year, including three to nothing in the playoffs. Uh, talking about Olivet, and I think they're going to find a way to beat the Hornets again Friday night. Derek? Yeah, this is definitely a great matchup. I feel like in the past, you guys had some some. Did you guys have some struggles with Williamson a few years back in the playoffs, if I remember correctly? Um, like some close losses to them. So, uh, and I think that was usually the struggling to stop the pass was maybe more of the issue there. Like you said, I think maybe that the defense is more equipped to handle that this year for Olivet and maybe than it used to be. Um, Man, I'm really tempted to pick Williamston here. I think they might be, a, uh, you know, a little bit more battle tested. They play better teams, but I did go against the the Eagles a couple weeks ago, and I was wrong. So I I, I gotta uh, I gotta go with them this time around. I can't I can't get caught picking against them twice in a row and losing both of those. So I'm going with the Eagles this time. Eagle Nation, Eagle Nation. I I'm I'm on board. I'm getting on the train. Let's go. Oh, All time. right. O-Town. Well, I got my T-shirt. I'm going to get teed up for it, but I'm wearing my O-Town T-shirt. <laughs> well, we won't. I won't have anybody asking me for your cell numbers this week because I, I had some requests for Josh's cell number um, last week after or after when they beat PW, um, and they thought Josh had picked uh, PW to win. It was actually Derek, but I, I also did not give Derek's cell number out. But, yeah, you guys are smart this week. So, anyway, here we go. Game four. Uh, little Cascades conference. We have the undefeated and Cascade champion Napoleon Pirates at seven and zero, traveling to Addison. Kind of a disappointing four and three this year, but still a dangerous team. Derek, what are your thoughts? It was definitely awesome to see Napoleon get the uh, 
conference championship locked up a week ago. Tough game with Michigan Center. They really have been in a couple straight tough games with teams that, you know, maybe on paper, you know, they have a better record than and stuff. But I think that kind of speaks to the way the Cascades is. It's pretty spread out. That's why you get some weird results uh, throughout this year. This was looking like it was going to be the conference championship game, you know, to decide who was going to uh, take that spot until Addison lost a week ago to Grass Lake. I think the bottom line is this. I think Addison can run the ball on anybody. They, they've they've still been great on offense. They put up big numbers. Uh, Spencer Brown and Keelan Mullins in particular at the running back spots have been really impressive out of the wing tee, but they cannot stop anybody this year. That's, that's the biggest problem. And I think, when I look at it, what I see when looking at the stats is that they struggle to stop the pass more than anything. Uh, I mean, last week, Braden Lape put up like ridiculous numbers against Addison. Um, and I know Manchester put up big numbers when they beat them through the air. And Michigan Center put up big numbers, even though it was a close loss to Addison. So everybody has thrown the ball well in Addison. But that's not Napoleon's style. Napoleon loves to run the ball, um, you know, probably 80, 90 percent of the time. So I'm really curious to see what the game plan is. And I'm, I'm not like just playing stupid here. I, I really I haven't talked to the Napoleon coaches. I don't know what they'll do. I imagine they're still going to try to run the ball. But, uh, you know, I think at some point it's going to come down to. You know, can they match points with Addison, especially early? Um, and, uh, you know, I'd like to see Grant Bradley slinging around. I think Napoleon has the weapons where they can do that if needed. So I'm going to go with the uh, the Pirates here uh, in, in a in to, to wrap up an undefeated conference season, hopefully. All right. How many passes did Grant Bradley throw last week? I don't have that stat, but probably less than 10. Okay. So he normally, have, throw, he normally throws less than 10. <laughs> all right. We got a division one arm. We don't pass the football. Um, I show up at districts last year to watch Grant Bradley pitch. He gets six. So I, I don't see him pitch. I mean, I, I, I mean, when are we going to see Grant Bradley throw some, I mean, come on, let's, let's put this golden arm to, to work here. I mean, I hope you at least let him throw the home run pass on, in, you know, in basketball, like on the full court pass. Um, Napoleon's draw looks like they're going to get Manchester in the first round and then play a really tough Hudson team in the playoffs. Thanks to our friend snooze to you, uh, by far the best football website and uh, follow out there better than the, the goose pump guy or whatever. Um, but snooze is legit. Uh, I see Napoleon win in this game. I see them rolling um, and then uh, kind of rolling right into the playoffs. And then until they meet a, a really good Hudson team and then, then Derek's basketball season will start. So go Pirates. Interesting. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna, My mind is exactly like it was with the Dexter Celine pick. I've got a, a really satisfied uh, thought about Napoleon. I think they're really satisfied in this championship. They're probably getting the T-shirts printed. They've had a nice casual week of practice, uh, just starting to try to make sure they're staying healthy. And uh, Addison has is, is been disappointing, but they, they might be Napoleon's kryptonite. And Napoleon has struggled, let's face it, the last couple of games. They, they pulled out wins, but maybe not as impressive. If there had been a point spread on those games, I don't think they would have covered. I think this is the game where Napoleon gets kind of the wake-up call. They're going to go into Addison, maybe be a little sloppy. Addison's going to control the ball, and they're going to, our offense is going to click. And I think they're going to beat Napoleon. Friday. Yep. I'm picking it. I'm picking it. So that's you, better, you better start giving your dad's number out to the Napoleon kids. Yeah. Hey, hey, I, hey. I love, I love the Napoleon guys. And, hey, you know, I, I'm a big Grant Bradley fan too. I've seen this dude, man. Like I, hey, I with he's him. a dude. And, and let me tell you, he's a dude. I, I have a great picture of, we just mentioned Braden Lape a minute ago too. I have a great picture of Braden Lape, uh, Grant Bradley, 
and Luke Trope back when they were in third and fourth grade winning a Michigan Center three-on-three tournament. And let me tell you, two of those guys have really shot up. I'm just going to say that right now. All right, here we go. We've got uh, – oh, man, look, how about this game? Where do we find this one? This is big time. We have uh, Warren De La Salle, 6-1 at River Rouge, 5-2. and two. Tropes, you're going to lead us off, man. You won't, you've been asking for games like this all year. Here you go. Absolutely. I love it. All right. So <clears throat> River Rouge, uh, they have two losses on, on the year. One is a, a forfeit loss. Uh, so I don't know what the deal was with that. I couldn't find the details why it was a 2 nothing loss. But the other one was a loss to a team from Cleveland, uh, one of the better teams in the state of Ohio. They played a really tough schedule. Um, they did play De La Salle last year and lost. Um, River Rouge is always a team and always a threat that can win the state title in d3 it you know they won one in d4 um that's where they're at for a while they've moved up to d3 they're they're recruiting of the detroit area for football and basketball purposes thanks to the arrival of josh baker and some other things has really boosted their attendance and numbers up at the school so uh, they're now d3 uh, the problem is they've only won one state title in the last 10 years i feel like all we do is talk about river rouge football in the state and how good they are and this player and that player but they really never get it done. They've got it done once. Um, they usually run into a Detroit King team that, that knocks them out, and that'll probably happen again this year. Or they run into the Eddies who beat them. Um, and then one year DeWitt beat them in, in our COVID year where we, you know, that's a whole other, there's a little backstory to that. But anyways, um, and then we do have Corey Parker who left um, this year it was replaced by Eric Petway. Eric's doing a great job. They haven't really messed the, missed the beat. Corey's the quarterback coach down at Toledo. Um, you know, things are going well for River Rouge. They're an excellent team. They're well coached. But again, they always come up short. And they're going to come up short this week as well because De La Salle has won four of the last five state championship games. Um, <laughs> they are the real deal. And, and they're one of the best teams in the state every year, regardless of class. And um, De La Salle, by the also won a basketball state title last mm -hmm. year. So, yeah, just they're not really struggling to, to, for success. They're athletes, and um, they are truly a power in everything. I, I mean, they're also great in baseball. So I'm going Warren De La Salle on this one. River Rouge, uh, they, they, they're not getting it done. I really, looking at Rouge's uh, results, I think they've only played five games. I think they won a game by forfeit, too. In, in these games, of course, we, we don't know the, the details. They may have actually been games that were played, but they just ended up as, you know, two to nothing games because of, of some issue. But, you know, they, they've won four uh, of the five games they've actually played, and four of them were shutouts. Their defense is, is legit. They just beat Allen Park 30 to nothing, and Allen Park always has some players. So, um, yeah, so, you know, I, I think that, you know, Christian Johnson looks like a very capable quarterback. they got a receiver named Daniel Rucker. Um, and, but they have a lot of different guys each week. It seems like a different guy stepping up. Um, they're, they're formidable. Uh, Brother Rice they're, they're, um, is the, the only team to beat De La Salle. And, and Brother Rice having a bad year, but they did win a game 43 to 42. That's the one head scratcher. But uh, De La Salle defense has been lights out other than that game. I, I think they held Catholic Central to 60 total yards uh, recently, which is crazy. They got they got a, an Illinois commit named Mason Murigan. He's a defensive lineman. The quarterback, the name that we heard before, Brady Drogosh, I think is his name. Um, you know, they, they've got they've got dudes too. I am with Josh in this one. I see De La Salle uh, finding a way to win this uh, tough game at Rouge. Derek? Yeah, I was looking this up as you guys were talking. It looks like 
this doesn't make sense, but on the Detroit Free Press article from a couple weeks ago, it says that their game against Battle Creek Lakeview was declared a no contest due to a power outage. So I don't know why that would have then turned into a forfeit for River Rouge. That's right. I, now I remember it, that there was, and they just decided not to play. And there was a lot of controversy over that too, but you're right. But so it ended up being a 2-0 win. I get, although they lost and then they, oh, they, then lost, they got a forfeit. They get for some, I guess, cause it was their power. I don't know. And then it says that they got a forfeit win against Harper Woods, Chandler park the next week. So you're right. They have, mm-hmm. they have literally only played five games. Right. Um, yeah. I, I'm with you guys in terms of the, the pick here. Um, I think De La Salle is probably actually the best team in D2. Like if you had to pick against, you know, like a, a state champion, I know Dexter's ranked number one and I love my dreadnoughts, but I'd probably take De La Salle over anybody else in D2. Uh, I'm going with Brady Drogosh, the Cincinnati commit at quarterback and uh, De La Salle on this one. Okay. Uh, we've got, we got another really good one, um, a little bit outside our area, but a couple teams that we have had on here in our predictions already this year, we have Novi five and two at Northville six and one. And this is a huge rivalry game. Both of these teams are going to, this is their Michigan, Michigan state game, so to speak. Um, they have one common opponent and that's Brighton, um, Brighton, whipped Novi 41 to six in a game, by the way, where I picked Novi, um, obviously didn't know enough about that. And, um, they escaped, uh, Northfield though, 17 to 14 Northfield played Brighton very tough. And, and we know Brighton's loaded this year. Northfield's quarterback, Luca Pryor is one of my favorite guys. Now after he, he just, he, he called trope out after uh trope called Northville a bunch of country club kids. So, I mean, right there, like that's, yeah, he's my guy. And I've watched a bunch of interviews with him. The kid talks a little too fast. Uh, we got to get him on the pile. Like he, he's got the hair going, but he's really a fast talker. Um, but he, he is all, he hits all the talking points. He's a, he's well-versed. So whatever country club Luca uh, it belongs to, they, they've taught him how to handle media very well. Kayla Moore is a running back too that I see on their highlights. We obviously haven't seen these guys play live. I really uh, was kind of a fan of him, watch him do his thing last week. I am going to go with Northville, and I don't know enough about Novi, obviously, after picking them wrong in the Brighton game. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go with uh, the Mustangs in this one. Yeah, I agree with you. Luca Pryor, I, I'm I'm a fan now too since he uh was getting on Josh. And Luca, it wasn't me, man. I, I didn't call you a country club boys. That wasn't me. But hey, honestly, he might be looking for some more, uh, some more kind of bulletin board material. So Josh, let's let's see what you got here in a minute. But um uh, it looks like you know, with, with looking at their opponents and the scores, I, I I just think Northville's a little bit better team based on that. Again, like you said, we haven't seen these teams in person, just highlights and stuff. Uh, you know, Novi's quarterback Caleb Walker had a really nice night uh recently and uh you know Luca Pryor had that game winning rushing touchdown the other day as well but uh, since I went against Northville last week and uh got that one wrong I'm gonna try to make up for that by by taking the Northville on this one all right I was impressed by the Mustangs win they, they went on the road and and they survived the cowbells in, in in Heartland and they got it done I'm impressed I'll give you give you props on that Northville's a very good team um you know w- one of my favorite players for them is Sonny Rents. Sonny is a 6'1", 185-pound wide receiver, strong safety. He's a junior. Uh, Sonny, after, after getting it done with the, with the Mustangs in Heartland on Friday, got up 500 shots on Sunday for mm. Coach Todd Sander. And another fan of, favorite of mine is Cullen Murphy, who also got up 500 shots before their football meeting on Friday. All of our listeners out there, 
all of these young men that are basketball players. This is a six and one division one football team, powerhouse, full of country clubbers that can hit apparently in pads. But not only that, these boys, when they're not playing croquet and, and working the golf game, dude, they are making shots. I mean, they're, they're getting, they're making and get, or I'm sorry, getting up. Coach Sanders got to get better about his tweets. We want to know how many they make, not how many they shoot. I mean, but they're getting up 500 shots in season. That's how it's done, ladies and gentlemen. And if you want more, I can keep talking. I got a great story from Coach Fife years ago about his two dream team sons that used to take a sack lunch to football and they, he, they eat a peanut butter and jelly after football practice, walk into the gym to get shots up. Be a football player, but keep shooting the basketball. Go Mustangs. Man, how many prep podcasts? reference croquet i mean it's it's a first i we've never talked about croquet on here this that's a big time that's a big time take coach trope all right our final game and man this is two again two of the best teams in the state we have um lavonia franklin seven and oh at belleville seven and oh holy cow um derek you are gonna lead us off here what do you think yeah this is definitely a huge game you know, it's the KLAA East title game here. Both teams are undefeated. This is the last game. It looks like on the slate in that division for this year. So this will decide the conference champion. We talked about Belleville some earlier in the year. I mean, they've just absolutely destroyed everybody they've played. Their offense appears to be unstoppable behind um, Bryce Underwood and, and all the weapons he has on, on the offensive side. I, I was able to find some stuff on Lavonia Franklin just preparing for this uh the, their running back, Cor, uh, Cordell, is I believe it's is it Mubbins? Um, he he ran, he carried the ball thirty three times for three hundred and one yards and three touchdowns last week. Like, whew, that is that is some work right there. Thirty three carries and almost average ten yards a carry with that many. That is crazy. And then uh, their quarterback J.D. Bates also was fourteen for sixteen for one hundred forty eight. Tyler Garrett had eight catches for 97 yards and picked up an interception on the defensive side of the ball. So um looks like Lavonia Franklin is going to really uh, lean on that running game, but they also can throw it a little bit when needed. This is, this is going to be a good game. I think Lavonia Franklin's had much closer games than Belleville throughout the year. If you look at their common opponents, um, Belleville's blown out some teams that Lavonia Franklin's had close games with. So that make you lean towards Belleville. I guess if you're going to take Lavonia Franklin here, you might argue, Hey, they're more battle tested. They've been in close games. So if they can keep this one close, maybe they will be, um, I guess more used to that, but I just think Belleville in the end is going to overwhelm them. It's like we've joked before, but it's like the university of Belleville. Like they have so many good athletes. Um, and that's, I, I'm stealing Josh's line there probably, but because of that, I, I just got to go with, with the Tigers. Yeah, you did totally. I mean, I would just said I was just gonna say the University of Belleville is going to win. More importantly, because predicting this game, I mean, it's like predicting Michigan versus you know Akron or something like that. Nobody's beaten Belleville. But that being said, I want to know who's the head of compliance at Belleville uh, with all the transfers. I mean, they must have a full time person there. Who's the head like the weight and strength coach? They must have a full time person there. I mean, do they have like a, a team dietitian? I mean, I. I'd really like to take a day off of work and go check out the, the facilities and how the operation works because the Belleville University uh, high school football team, it's it's next level. So you're picking Belleville? In a route. Yeah. 
And, and we have a guy who coaches at Lumen Christie talking about compliance at other schools. Is that, did that really just happen on the pod too? Just like the croquet comment, man, this is, I mean, we got a lot going on here today, but um, <laughs> no one has come within four touchdowns of Belleville. Uh, Belleville, they, they defeated Franklin 53 to 29 last year. Franklin has a great program, but I'm with you guys. Belleville has too much. Um, and unless, unless they put the ball on the ground and, and usually in a game like this, it's at Belleville and the team with the best players are going to win. And I, we're going to go with the Tigers as well. So, all right, that gets us through our seven high school games on to the college ranks. Here we go again. We let uh, coach Trope pick the, uh, the third college game this week. And of course he, uh, he takes us to Knoxville, Tennessee. We have Alabama six and O at Tennessee five and O. Alabama is a seven and a half point favorite in this game. Josh, take us home. All right. I mean, real football, baby. I love it. I can't tell you how excited I was to talk about this. All right. So Bama rolls into Knoxville. First time since 1989 that both teams are undefeated. All right. The last time Tennessee beat Alabama was 2006. Pre-Nick Saban, by the way. Coach Saban has never lost to the Volunteers. The big question in this game is, is Bryce Young going to play? And, and how healthy is he if he plays? Because that's that's going to be a difference maker. And I'm going to tell you right now, Hendon Hooker from Tennessee, he might even be the better quarterback. And, and he's definitely a Heisman candidate if they win this game. Uh, Josh Heupel's done an incredible job. Um, I, I like Josh Heupel back when he played for Coach Stoops at Oklahoma. And they, they went undefeated and, and won an ugly game against Florida State in the Orange Bowl on their way to a national title. Uh, he, he turned around, uh, or not turned around, but followed up uh, Scott Frost at UCF and, and kept things rolling there. And now he's moved on to Tennessee. And the Vols are the real deal. I cannot believe the spread in this game. People, log into DraftKings. You, you know, use me as a friend so I can get $100 and put your money on the volunteers and the points. Let's go. Do you, you guys want me to sing Rocky Top on here? I could if you want. <laughs> Okay. Oh man, I tell you what. Um, Jill Milton still plays for Tennessee, right? He's still on that roster. Is there a way that we can get if, him? If he field? gets in that game, they're gonna lose. I'm just yeah. gonna tell you. <laughs> I'm just saying. Oh, we love Joe though, man. Come on, he's he's just uh, yeah. He got hyped up a little bit too bad. I um, this is a tough one. I that 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 hook that seven point five is the problem here. Um, but I just I, I think anytime you doubt Alabama. Um, they, they always seem, it doesn't matter. They, they just get, they're just going to uh, pencil in somebody else at quarterback. If young can't play, there's a guy too. I, I always tease Josh. Like, why are we picking these games out of Michigan? Who can name two players on any of these teams? Uh, Josh can't either. He just likes to look at scores, but there is a guy from Alabama. Every time I seem to flip the TV on, uh, it's number 31. I think his name's Will Anderson jr. He's an outside linebacker. This dude can play. And, uh, I, he, he's going to be the difference in the game. He's going to have either a defensive touchdown, a sack fumble, something's going to happen big, but I am going to pick uh, the Crimson Tide in this one to, uh, to beat Tennessee. And I wouldn't even be surprised if they beat him by a couple of scores. Derek. Yeah. I think Will Anderson might be wearing a lions Jersey next year, opposite of uh, Aiden Hutchinson when the lions lose every game, the rest of the year and get the number one overall pick. But um, <laughs> yeah, I hope that doesn't happen, but he would look good in the lions uniform. Um my favorite name on that defense is Kool-Aid McKinstry at defensive back. But I thought that's where you were going. Kool-Aid. I need that nickname. Come on. Um, but uh, 
Yeah, I, I, this this really comes down to the quarterback thing. Uh, if they have, I think Tennessee's defense is pretty bad. I watched that Alabama game last week, and Jalen Milrow might be a dude in the long run, but he really struggled um, in that game just with turnovers and stuff. Alabama's moved the ball really well all year. It just hasn't necessarily translated to points. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Alabama here, assuming that Bryce Young plays and that they're able to just score at will. I mean, Tennessee gave up 400 yards to Anthony Richardson a couple weeks ago, and Anthony Richardson is a can't can't really throw the ball well on anybody else. So I'm gonna use that as my reasoning for Tennessee or being having a bad defense, and I'm gonna count on Bryce Young being healthy. That's what I'm going with. We didn't even talk about the most important thing. Will Nate Oates be on the sideline for this game for Alabama? No, no, he's no. he's locked in right now. He's in the submarine. He's locked in. He's not. He's not going. Yeah, I know. It's basketball season. Yeah. I got it. All right. All right. Uh, okay. Our next one. Uh, we have the uh, Wisconsin Badgers, three and three, traveling to East Lansing to take on the MSU Spartans, who sit two and four currently. <laughs> Wisconsin is a again a seven and a half point favorite. I will start this one. Um, Wisconsin coming off a nice little 42 to seven win over Northwestern, um, with their, with their new coach and everything MSU coming off a, I don't know, almost, I hate to say it, almost a respectable 49 to 20 loss to Ohio state. And, uh, I mean that, that one, it was 49 to nothing last year at halftime. Um, and that was, you know, so, uh, I don't know, maybe they're, maybe they're improving. I just think, I think in this one, um, of course, I'm pulling for Wisconsin, but this seven and a half is a lot of points at MSU. But I think the Wisconsin quarterback, Graham Mertz, I believe is his name. I think he's good enough to expose the Spartan defense, which has you know holes everywhere. So I am going to go with Wisconsin in this one. This is a game that I think is all about momentum. Michigan State just doesn't have any momentum uh, with the way things have been going in recent weeks. Uh, Wisconsin fired their coach, Paul Chris, kind of everyone was a little surprised by that, or a lot of people were at least. And uh, they went with the the highly touted defensive coordinator there, Jim Leonard, I believe. Right. And, uh, you know, they got a win right after doing that. It's funny, you know, Nebraska's won a few games too, since firing their coach. So uh, that sometimes can have a weird effect on teams. I, I, I do think there's a chance that this is the, the game where MSU really kind of shows up and really brings it. But uh I don't know. I, I can't count on that. I'm going to go with Wisconsin in this one. I like the coach Leonard move. I think that was the right move. I I, I like Wisconsin in this game. I, I think I, there's no turning this around for Michigan state. They, they, their season's over. Okay. That takes us to our final game. Oh, maybe here we go. Uh, the Penn state Nittany lions undefeated five and oh, come to Ann Arbor to take on Michigan uh, Michigan is six and zero, and a six and a half point favorite in this game. Um, Derek, lead us off. Yeah, I think this is a really, really interesting game. The quarterback matchup is extremely intriguing. I mean, JJ is obviously this super hyped up guy that um, you know is still young and early in his career, and then you got Sean Clifford, who's been there for forty seven years. Um, it seems to have you know. <laughs> never, never leaves. I don't know how he still has eligibility, but he's really steady. You know, heck, earlier in the year, I feel like people were calling for his job, but you know, they're sitting here five and zero oh, because they have a five star. I think sitting in the waiting, waiting in the wings, I should say, behind him. But you know, he's been super steady. So I think it'll be interesting to see how that goes. These are two good defenses. Uh, I th- we think and neither of them have really played a, a big time offense yet. I guess I know Michigan has played Maryland, Penn State 
won at Auburn in an impressive fashion, but Auburn has a does not have a great offense, or they have not had a great offense this year. I think this should be a really exciting game. Penn State has had a few stinkers at Michigan um, in the past five, six, seven years. Um, so I know some people will, will reference that. My, my thought process here is I think this is kind of a coin flip game. I could see either team winning. So if you're going to give me – if you have six and a half points on the Michigan side, I, I just think that – I think that you got to go with Penn State here, given that. I'll you know, take the six and a half and go with Penn State. I, I still have confidence in Michigan winning. I think, uh, you know, they're, they're still looking good. This is obviously a, a huge game for them to set the tone here for the second half of the season. But uh, just because I think the line's a little bit too big, I'm going to go with Penn State. And I, I, I'd love to be wrong, but that's where I'm at. Matt, I know you're getting up there a little bit in age. Do you know Key and Peel are, the comedians? Do you know who they are? Yes. Okay. So if Michael Key was coaching Penn State, I <laughs> think they might have a chance. But in this case, I think Michigan lays the smackdown on the Nittany Lions because I think they are a fraud just like the rest of the big 10 besides the Buckeyes and your Wolverines are awfully impressive. Um, and I, I think that uh, Michigan proves that this week, they roll at home with a great win and really set things up for a Michigan Ohio state matchup. And I really hope that they, they get to the, the big 10 final against my beloved Brett Bielema and, and the fight in the lion eye. But I, I like, I like Michigan really big in this one. I think the best thing that happened to Michigan is they they were less than than perfect, let's just say, in the first half against Indiana. Now the Michael Hart thing obviously was a big or uh, a big deal emotionally, but he just didn't play well. They weren't playing well before um, you know Mike Hart went down. Um, you know they had the first drive, and then after that it got a little sloppy. But a little, you know, they've all used all the guys at the press conference used the word humble. Harbaugh used the word humble on the radio today, so I, it was like the theme of the week. Like, I think that that game humbled them a little bit, which might again uh, refocus them. Penn State's going to be solid, but you know I, Michigan really hasn't had that 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 wow game yet. And I think this is going to be it. I do worry though about a, like a backdoor cover by Penn state, just because that, that, that deal six and a half, I can see Michigan up, you know, two touchdowns plus maybe, and then Penn state making a little run at the end and, and getting that thing under six and a half. That would be unfortunate. Um, I think it might even be seven points and some, uh, uh, some bookies right now are, are going with seven, but I am going to pick Michigan in this one. And, uh, and uh, cross my fingers. I think it's going to be fun, though. You know, I, I know we're done picking games, but I want to talk about one kid. Uh, we're never going to talk about Onstead football on here because there's no, like, real reason to talk about Onstead football because they're so bad. But that being said, um, Luke Manders, sophomore quarterback, dear family friend of the Tropes. We, we have a nickname for him. We call him D1. Uh, Luke Manders has thrown for 600 yards in the last three games. And he was 25 of 34 for 260 yards and two touchdowns against a really good Ida team, sophomore quarterback. And uh, if there's ever any hope for, for Onstead to get it going, that sophomore class has really got to gotta get it going for Onstead. It's certainly not going to be this year. They actually could win this week against Blissfield. We probably should have picked them. It would have been our one chance. Um, but uh, I figured we should talk about them. I know we got a lot of listeners down at Onstead, and, and really they're, they're – their football program really hasn't given us a reason to talk about them. 
All right. Well, hey, that does it for week eight picks. Going to be interesting to see how these come out and uh, if, if we're within reaching distance of the leader uh, next week um, or, or somebody maybe even can overtake it. We have some differences in our picks this week. So um, uh, the, the board will be fun to follow. So anyway, everybody take care and we will see you next time.